Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to the Glovers Cast. I'm Ian, and this evening I'm joined by Ben Barrett. Look at him rubbing, Hello. His, rubbing his eyes. He's not. <laughs> it's been a long day. Tired, snoozy, and fresh from Barnet. Fresh from Charlie Lee's first game in charge, with a bit of a sore throat after a lot of shout- shouting yesterday. Slightly croaky throat, I have to say. Yeah, I um, I woke up this morning feeling a little bit uh, not not the best, and I did give myself a COVID test because that that was how I was feeling. And then I realised I probably just suffered suffered the hive, haven't I? That's what I got. Not hives, uh, but yeah, <laughs> suffered the hive. Suffered the hive. Was it my, was it a suffering? Uh, no, no. I, I had a really good time. Uh, were was, you? Uh, yeah, were you buzzing to be there? <laughs> that's an interesting drum sound <laughs> <laughs> it was better than better than that joke to be fair but uh but yeah i did i i, I really I, I really enjoyed it it was uh it was it was a good day it was a good game um yeah i i, I had a great day uh even the seven hours on the uh on the motorway was not too bad either same Good. M6 good. toll road. What's not to like, eh? <laughs> the toll. Tell us. The, the, 
Tell us about the toll road. Yeah, <laughs> there was a roller carpet in the in, in the middle in the middle lane of the uh, of the of the M6 at one point as well. That was slightly diff- um, unnerving on the way there. <laughs> now I'm sure people have come to the Glover's Cast today to hear about carpet in the middle of the road. Yeah. So uh, Northampton should... services. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you something about Northampton services. Yeah. I think we should probably talk about Charlie Lee's Green and White Army. Um, yes. A little ring, isn't it? Can I just say, I, I woke up this morning with dodgy, um, it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Because that that was, this is the dangerous stand the next to Elliot Watson is made, was that, and, and Mike Cleverly as well. That's the dangerous standing next to those boys is that you're going to have that earworm in your head. In the middle of the park, it's Charlie Kinley. Da, 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 na, 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 na. Yeah, that no, was, uh, it was, if, you know, Darren Searle, as we know, is, is, is no longer with us, but um, his spirit, his, uh, you know, what, what, whatever he put into that team is very much still there. I can, I can promise you that. Uh, so from the, uh, at, from the opening kickoff, Matt Worthington picks up the ball, goes pegging it forward and has a, and has a shot on target within, I don't know, 30 seconds of the kickoff or something like that and I thought to myself oh yeah here we go and uh, I don't know if you've seen have you seen the goals from yesterday uh, from Saturday you see the first goal no no I haven't seen any unfortunately yeah so the first so for, for the first goal um they have a free kick sort of maybe like 30 yards out on the on the far side and to be honest with you they make a bit of a hash of the whole thing and they're kind of not it was like um who was it? Henri and Pires, was it? With that that penalty where they tried to do something clever and it didn't quite work. Um, it was a bit like that. Neither One Barnet player didn't seem to know what the other one did, was doing. Uh, and they were all complaining about the fact that Tom Knowles was like um, not far enough away from the ball. And then whilst they were still complaining, Tom Knowles runs in, nicks the ball off them, Belts it down the right-hand side, cuts in and slams an absolute beauty of a shot in from uh, from, from the angle. If you, yeah, when the highlights come out, make sure you, uh, you you check that one out. But I thought to myself, if this is a team of players who are unsettled, unnerved um, by the, the 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 loss of um, Darren Sile, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know they weren't they 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 were they were disappointed to see him go and all the rest of it, but they were 100% still up for this one and uh yeah when when Tom Knowles got back to the halfway line for the uh for the restart he turned to the away end and he just like punched the air and screamed at the top of his uh, top of his voice so yeah if anyone questioned um the commitment of these players in a post Darren Sar world um I'm here to tell you question it no more um little 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 strange that you should question it but um but there we go yeah they were yeah don't fall in love with footballers dave i know yeah no he he was tom knowles was everywhere yesterday i just don't know where that guy gets his energy from he was everywhere so he was no he was he was fantastic but um yeah so the first 10 15 minutes in true let's call it charlie lee style now rather than <laughs> the former manager uh, in true Charlie Lee style, we were we were everywhere, and then I think the problem was, I don't think we we um, 
rested on our laurels or anything like that but they began to get back into it and it all got a bit scrappy and uh and uh and, and edgy and you just thought to yourself mm, this is feeling a little bit uh like the momentum has uh has gone out of it then they equalized and um ian i know you're a morgan williams fan he got a little bit caught on the um uh on on that first goal it was efron mason clark Last team getting red carded for absolutely nothing. I'm not going to do an Irish accent to say the uh, <laughs> the because I got in trouble for that last time. But um, yeah, but absolutely nothing according to Dean Brennan. Uh, he got sent off for our place. But yeah, he looked for Mason Clark looked a good player, and we've got a centre back playing left back uh, against a very good. Uh, natural uh, wide player who was captain, interestingly, for um, uh, for Barnett. So, and he again absolutely levers one in off the off the underside of the bar. Two brilliant goals for the first two. The first two um, go. Then it got a bit scrappy after that. Went through to half time. You thought to yourself, okay, there's there's enough there to think that we can come out. And if we start fast in the second half, we can do it. Instead of starting the way, starting the second half in the way that we started the first, it kind of carried on where we where we left off and all got a bit. Yeah, that you you felt like they needed um, they needed a lift, and uh, then they scored their second goal again. Bit disappointing when you see it on the uh, on the highlights. They were allowed to come through our midfield like a hot knife through butter. There were a few pretty. Um, well, uh, not much of not much of a challenge put in on any of the players going forward, and then Marriott uh, that they've got up front front for them. Who you know, if you give him a you give him a chance, he's going to take it. Did well to shrug off. I, th- I think it was Mark Little actually that he um he shrugged off rather than um. I think because he came from the right hand side, so yeah, probably would have been Mark Little. It's a long way. <laughs> it was a long way to the other end. And the the other strange thing is an entire terrace, an entire covered terrace has disappeared at Barnet. At the end, at one end of the pitch, where for the opposite end from where we were, there used to be an entire like covered terrace, and it's not there anymore. It's just a grass bank. Very strange. But anyway, at that end, um, yeah, Marriott Marriott School. But then our fitness, our tenacity our desire to win really took a spark by the arrival of Josh Noyfield came off the bench and immediately got straight into it picking the ball up looking really dangerous it was uh Jackie was there Jackie Noyfield was at the uh was at the game so she uh I know she was like a bit of a celebrity people going up and saying hello to her so that was some um, that was nice um uh, but yeah he did really well again Noyfield uh, I said in my conclusions he's got to be worth a start sometime soon I know Charlie Lee said after the game that they've been told to take care with him and they've got a you know a plan for him and all the rest of it uh, I think he He's itching to chuck him in from the start. But um, yeah, he he looked good, um, Noyfield. And then, of course, the moment I've been waiting for, <laughs> Ruben scored. Ruben scored. So yeah, it was a bit of a ping pong in, in, in around the penalty area. And then it came to him. And to be fair, great finish. Yeah, he got, he, he, it was probably like 10 yards out or something. Just turned smashed it smashed it in i think luke wilkinson tried to claim it because luke wilkinson was there and he seemed to like throw a foot at it and then i didn't notice it until i saw it on the highlights but luke wilkinson turns to the away end and like punches the air um whereas ruben reed just kind of like 
turns back to the centre circle and says, come on, lads, uh, you know, let's uh, let's go. And how we did not win that at the end, I don't know. There is a chance that Ben Barkley, you might have seen, I think somebody was filming it on the um, yeah, from, from the away end. How we missed that. It was a corner, I think it was, and it came in and it did everything right. Rose like a salmon, put everything into it. I put it wide and he couldn't believe it. He was like clinging onto the net at the um in, in the goal. Yeah, it was oh I don't know how we missed that one. But there we go. It was probably a fair result. And you can say that, can't you, when you're not a threat of going down and not a threat of going up. Um, I know Ben will tell me now that our playoff push could have still been on if we'd have won that one. But um, but yeah, it's it, it was probably a, a fair result to all, I thought. So good game. I really enjoyed it. It was a good atmosphere. It was a brilliant to hear, see so many people there, 300 odd um, people nearly, I think it was, which was a lot more than I would have thought. Um, I know London's easier to get to than, say, Dover or somewhere like that. Um, and it would be easier to get to than Kings Lynn next weekend. But um, yeah, there was a real, real good atmosphere. And yeah, I say, Dodgy is stuck in my head singing Charlie Lee's name. So, but yeah, Charlie Lee's green and white army. Everyone was um, was doing it, and I think he said after the talking to Sheridan after the game said how proud he was to hear people singing his name. So, yeah, there's a lot of love for that man out there, and all the players as well. They we they stood and they applauded everyone who was there at the end, and everybody stayed well after the game and applauded them because I think listening to Josh Daunton talk about the uncertainty and, um, you know, how the players feel about things. And, and we said it, I think all we can do as supporters is tell them, show them what it is we, how we feel about them. And I think, yeah, we did. Those 288 people who were there did everything they could to, uh, to do that. So, yeah, good day. I enjoyed it. Worth the trip. Nice. A couple of things I took out of it. Um, third point from a losing position this season. Yep. which is something that I think we've all overlooked is that we've been pants from that position before, but two one down and we got something out of the game. So fair play. Enjoy that. Don't mind that. But also two goals in each of the last four games. I know. What eight happened to the four. days when we couldn't score two goals? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? We have it now scored crazy. more goals this season than Dover, Weymouth, Kingsley and Aldershot. There you go. And that is a table we want to be top of, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And we're closing in on Eastleigh and South End. Yeah, watch our current yourself. rate. Our current rate. We'll do that against Kings Lynn. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did did Reuben Reed, you know, pick you out after he scored? Did he give it a wink? Visibly a make eye contact with you as if to say, "Fuck off, Dave." I. I didn't notice him doing, like I say, he seemed to turn back to the centre circle with like a good, true <laughs> professional and uh, say, right, let, let's get on with it. Yeah, just turn his back, on, back on you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I, I make I make no bones about the fact that I, I celebrated his, uh, his goal. And I did say that I would judge Ruben Reed on scoring goals. And I continue to judge Ruben Reed on scoring goals. Scored two in his last two. Carry on. Carry it on. I'll be at Kingsland. Did you notice uh, a difference in Reed's performance on when you last saw him, or not particularly? I don't want to be negative. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but... leave air that. Leave air. That. <laughs> oh, now, yeah. I, I mean, what I what I would say is that the Ruben Reed that I heard you talk about against Bromley, the one who picked the ball up and ran with it and and got a shot away and all of that, I didn't see that. 
No. I did see the Ru- I did see more of the Rubin Reed. Um, and I mean, I haven't seen that much of him this season because he, the games that I've been to, he's uh, he's probably not really featured that much. But uh, you know, take highlights and televised games and so forth as well. But yeah, he's he's got a great touch, isn't he? And he looks after the ball well. And there was <laughs> quite a bit of moaning his own team, uh, his teammates and his uh, officials and waving his hands up in the air and all those things that do frustrate High standards. High standards. When you're you're that good, I mean, (laughs) catch up, lads. (laughs) All all those things that frustrate me about him, but there was... There was some, there was some, some, some good things. The um, problem is, Ruben Reed's playing four D chess, and everyone else is playing three D. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Come, 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 join us up at this level. All, you know. um, Josh Thornton, assistant manager. Discuss. Well, who else is going to do it? Well, yeah, <laughs> there anyone is there? He's no good on the pitch. So, hey, what? Shots fired! <laughs> shots fired! Fuming. We love you, Josh. If you're listening, we love you. Ben especially loves you. That was a joke, everyone. Yeah. It's just very easy to get get Ben. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, he uh, he's uh, on that performance, as I say, it could have been Darren Sarl stood in that in in that uh, dugout doing all the things that you know Darren Sarl and Charlie Lee could have been there doing all the things based on that performance alone. They, they they went out there and they gave the kind of performance I would think that if Darren Sal was there, he would be talking positively about. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine Josh Thornton uh, woke up uh, this time last week thinking that he was going to be assisting Charlie Lee, did he? But um, I don't know. I reckon he went out and practiced his cone stacking. Yeah. I bought a clipboard, I eh? bought a clipboard. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good luck to him. Chaz and Josh's Green and White Army, something like that. Can we? Yeah, can we make can that. Start that. We can definitely yeah. start that. At, at, at Kings Lane, yeah. It might. I might be even less of a voice after that one. I think because I think there's going to be fewer people there. So me and me and Clevs might have to uh, try our our hardest. He's got a loud voice, that lad. He has got a loud voice, even for someone like me. You know, not got the best of ears, but he has got a loud voice. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> and did you read did you read his uh his Twitter about how he, he went out to Pop World afterwards with his banner and they were yeah. they were on the they they were on the uh they were on the dance floor singing if he's good enough for you, he's good enough for me. And then uh he fell asleep on the train and ended up in Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, I'm gonna get home before you again, aren't I? And I, I did comfortably, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that how man. do you get your flag in a pub? Or in a, a pop world. Yeah, yeah. How does how does that happen? Do you reckon you get that in? Do you reckon they took um cable ties with them to I hope so. Attach it. Yeah. Must have done. Yeah. If you look <laughs> on Mike Cleverly's Twitter, you'll see and and there is a picture of it on the a train on the Jubilee line as well. Up yes, the Jubilee I did see line. That one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is normally genuine opposition to getting flags into grounds. Have you got yeah. your fire safety certificate? Have you got don't put in front of the don't, no, not in front of the sponsor, but no, take it in the pop world, lads. Crack on. <laughs> yeah, hang it up. Yeah, I don't on. think I don't fish think, bowl with that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think anyone expects anyone to turn up at pop world with a flag in fairness. There's probably <laughs> no, no. They've, probably got, they've got a flag. Yeah, I'll be fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, and uh, and I do really, really hope that um, see more Just Noyfield next weekend because uh, he was uh, the the last time I saw Just Noyfield live, he was going off on a stretcher at Altrinum. So it was yeah, no, it was really brilliant to see him back playing football, and even better to see him back playing football for us. So yeah. Yeah, I think some the- player. When he came on in the home games, I think he'd like a start as well at some point. Yeah. He, he just looks like he's he's like just ready to get out of the traps, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And Feller as well. He he only came on for the last couple, four minutes or so, but he he got involved as well. And he's not really played more than a couple of minutes here and a couple of minutes here there. And I know people will say, well, Ruben Reed didn't and you had to go at him. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, but um, yeah, fella. I mean, it'd be difficult to... Charlie Wakefield just feels like he's... he's tr- you can see he's trying really hard and, and he has obviously got quality there, but maybe just take him out the firing line a bit. Give um, you know, give Neufeld a, a run up front with Rubin, or give you know Rubin a rest and give Neufeld and uh, and Feller a go against Kingsley. I, I don't know. The caretaker manager. Do we call him caretaker interim? Interim manager for the foreseeable future. Okay, right. I think that's a, that's, that's what that's time. what I'll have on his name badge. Like. That's a long time. That's a business card. That's about <laughs> like six inches long. <laughs> That's a big six inches, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I, I stopped myself from saying it. I didn't think that was the appropriate thing to yeah. say at that moment. And you did, you're as bad as me. There you go. Ben but, went straight into Michael Scott mode. Ben transferred the thought to Dave and Dave yeah. articulated it. Uh, the, thought, the thought was me. I'm re-watching the American office at the advice of... My friend Sarah, who uh, is a big fan of it, so um, yeah, it's uh, no, it, it was brilliant the first time, brilliant the second time as well. Sorry, that's completely <laughs> off topic as well. But that's also what so back said. to Northampton Services. <laughs> I bought a flurry. down. We've got a big semi-final coming oh, up on sorry, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, odd Go on, down. Ben. Go on, Ben. You're that you preach to the masses about why they should be at Hewish Park. Odd down brackets bath. Uh, yeah, tickets are still available, but they are they are in short supply, I'm hearing. So, you know, you can take up a place in one of the four empty stands. That'd be brilliant. Um, so, yeah, all down. Let's get into the big final. The final that everyone wants. It's the purest final, isn't it? The Oval Bath. It is, it's the one that everyone wants. And this is an almighty banana skin. Charlie Lee did say that a fair number of first-teamers may be involved. And, again, I do wonder if the likes of... Sonny, who hasn't played a lot recently, uh, Alex Bradley, Max Evans possibly in goal. Although I was thinking, if Grant Smith's nearly ready, I wonder if he gets a game just to kind of blow the cobwebs off a little bit. So I do, I do wonder. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the team news is, and you know, just keeping keeping things high. You wouldn't want to put a good team out and lose just while the confidence is feeling like it's up on the pitch. So I do feel like, yeah, get a win. Get it sorted, get it done, and the bath in the final, possibly at home, which is weird. Can I just say, Josh Noyfield against Odd Down could be a little bit unfair. I would feel quite bad for Odd Down if you put Josh Noyfield against him. Yeah, if you start Josh Noyfield, someone else has to not play. You have to start yeah. with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some play that boy. 
So that yeah. feels like the rule that if you've got like a number over a certain <laughs> number, you start with a yellow card. That rule. If Josh Neufeld plays, yeah. you have to start <laughs> with ten men. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the team news is. Um, one or two few kids might get a bit of a go as well. Hopefully, you know. <laughs> I asked about our youth system and whether or not we were in a position to have any youth players, and apparently we don't have any. They're not our players. So, uh, you know, if we do get... The Oval College have a lot there, don't they? They have a lot of very good players. Yeah, so so, so the Barnstable. Um, so hopefully we'll see a few kids on the bench and they might even get a minute or two. Who knows? I've, I've got news about a Barnstable player. Is this breaking da, news? Da, 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 da. Barnstable news. Yeah, many thanks to Alan McKenzie for emailing this evening to say that Ollie Haste will be playing for the England Colleges team tonight, as you're listening, against Chelsea under-18s. At 6 p.m. So not Yeovil, not Yeovil Towns, Ollie Haste. Yeovil College Ultras here, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. EPDBBP program or whatever it's called. <laughs> Elite something. Sounds like dial-up internet. Fucking yeah. Um, yeah. So welcome to AOL. Yeah. Welcome to Barnstable News <laughs> on the Glover's Cast. <laughs> <laughs> well there's nothing else is there is there anything else i think so do we want to talk about the week <laughs> we didn't really talk about anything on thursday no as in we stuck to particular topics and left it at that without talking about any of the yeah so other we, stuff we... we decided didn't we to say nothing on thursday despite the fact that things were happening and news was breaking Thursday, 31st of March, will, for us, always be a day where nothing else really matters. So that's what we stuck to. That's why you didn't get any breaking newses on the, uh, on the Glover's cast. You didn't see it because we didn't want to do it. It wasn't the day for it. So we left it and let everyone just have their thoughts to themselves. Friday morning at 8 a.m. Was... <laughs> it was a flurry <laughs> <laughs> of all the news that we couldn't tell you the day before that we, um, we put up. So, yeah, which included, I think I'm right in saying, news that we had increased our Sport England loan slash debt uh, to best part of a million quid, I think we're up to now. I think um, Owen Sport England took on another £197,000, according to some filings on Companies House and also Yeovil football and athletic club the holding uh, parent with the holding company of the oval the oval towns footballing operations put their financial accounts out and as you can tell by the way i stumbled through that i have no idea what they actually said um because they were just lots of numbers to me and speaking of someone who got a d in maths at gcse restacked the gcse and got an e uh, i am not <laughs> the person you should be <laughs> Not the person who should be asking for financial advice. So, is anyone is anyone just surprised that it's GCSE, not O level? Right, I'm going to move past. Have a move past this rampant age. Should we just go? To, should we go to the before questions? we throw? Yeah, we before we, we throw to the other thing, we need to go to the questions, don't we? I, I say the other thing. People will know oh, because yeah. we'll put it in the description. Oh, okay. Dave's okay. all right. <laughs> it's so, not a secret. I, yeah, Dave's gone early. I went early there, yeah, yeah. You broke an embargo. We slagged everyone <laughs> off for doing that last week. No, well, it won't come out to tomorrow morning, will it? So, and it's our embargo. Um, 
okay, sorry. Yeah. The irony of all of this is it's out now, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You could, you could even fast forward if you really wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I would if I were you. Um, right, of questions. questions. Yeah. Go. Go on, Ian. The, o- the OG. I've got the OG, Paddy Horsington. Yeah. Uh, could Charlie Lee be the manager for the long term? If so, what other managers with little experience can you name that have made a successful career from similar starting point? The Oval Town managers, he means. Well, any, I guess. Well, I mean, could you drop Skivo in that? I was going to say, Skivo and yeah. Darren Way would probably be in the first team coaching, um, you know, examples of first team coaches. Um, now, whether we consider either or both of them to have had a successful career from a similar starting point. Uh, I'd make obviously more of a case for Skivo because he kept us in League One for a number of years. So I would say he's probably a good example. And I think if to, to answer the first part of your question, Paddy, I think if, if Charlie Lee goes on an amazing run uh, between now and the end of the season and we do really well, he's got to be, he's got to be a name in the frame, isn't he? Ben, you spoke to Mr. Lee on Friday. Do you think he's thinking about that or do you think he's interested in that? I think he's not thinking one minute beyond tomorrow morning. I think he's taking it day at a time, game at a time and just running through the end of the season because the situation hasn't actually changed all that much. Um, he, We don't even know who he's auditioning to, you know, things like that. So I don't think he can take it um, any more than just let's get through a odd down and then get through a Wednesday off, and then get through a Thursday training session, then let's figure out how we're getting to Kings Lynn, and then let's get to Kings Lynn and do it. You know what I mean? It's things like that. So, um, no. Whether or not he's a viable option for it, win nine games, mate, and you're right in the hat, bud. So, if he wants it, and he wants to think about it long-term, he's in the hot seat. Might as well be throwing his name into a hat. The most successful um, sort of first managerial thing I can think of, almost a player manager style, didn't Dennis Wise take Millwall to the FA Cup final as a player manager? Was that a thing? Didn't he kind of just go, yeah, stuff it, I'll do it as a temporary manager and ended up in the FA Cup final with Norm? No idea. I think that could be right. He had Ray Wilkins as his, uh, like, his assistant slash co-manager, didn't he? Yeah, but we got Josh Norton, so. That's true. Yeah, he's got the same hairline, haven't they, Ray Wilkins and Josh Norton? Yeah. (laughs) The same hairline. Oh, dear. Uh, what other question? I I can only see one because I think the rest probably fall in under our guest, our I special think, Sunday night guest. I think Harry Eaton is 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 having a dig at me here, isn't he, with his question? Oh, it's Should, not on the it's not on the hashtag. Oh, it's not on the hashtag. You're right. But Harry Don't have Eaton... to ask it, Dave. Okay. <laughs> no, you do. Do I ask it anyway? <laughs> yeah. So he says, "Should we judge strikers on goals scored?" I've said all along, we should judge strikers on goal scored. And even Ben agrees with me now that we should judge strikers on goal scored. Uh, I, I think Dave is going to have to be refen- defending his views on Ruben Reid long after Ruben Reid leaves you over time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ruben Reid does, doesn't even know or care that I have any views on Ruben Reid, I don't think. But uh, yeah, he is now averaging a goal every one point. Seven eight five one eight five one eight five one eight five one eight five one. Repeating, 
goals per minute. Goals per match, sorry. Goals per minute. Jeez, that's good. <laughs> match, match, match. He's not that good. Jeez, that's good. Yeah. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that good. What did you get in maths again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> right. Right. Do we think that's all the questions, or do we want to make any sort of call to arms? Tell go, people to go Oval. Have go, fun at Odd Down. Go Yeovil. Go Yeovil. Have fun at Odd Down. Yay. That's Ben's call to arms for the future hey, of the football club. What, yeah, there's not a lot I can say. We are just shouting at clouds at this point. So beat Odd Down, lads. Charlie and Josh's green and white arms. Okay. Uh, and with that, we've got a very special guest now to explain to us and fellow Yeovil Town supporters all the stuff about football, finance and accounting and Yeovil Town's, uh, what was it, what were they called? Their accounts for the last year. The year up, up to up last to June. June, yeah. Um, for those of you who are fans of the Price of Football podcast, it's Mr. Kieran Maguire. Okay, so Ben, E and I are very pleased to say that we are joined now by uh, Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. So firstly, Kieran, welcome to the Glovers cast. Well, thank you very much for the, the invite. I've, I've only been to, uh, to Yeovil Town once, but it, 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 was, it was good fun, uh, as, as are all trips to all football grounds as a fan. So thanks very much for the invite. So go on, tell us, which club did you come to Hewish Park with? Uh, with Brighton Hove Albion. Which right is now. which is which is my my team, one one of one of one of hundred and seventeen grounds where I've watched dismal performances, walking away saying, oh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a swerve for a few more weeks, and of course the next Tuesday, the next Saturday, you're there, uh, because it's it, it is that love supreme that we all have together. Absolutely, yes, yes. Well, we'll share our mutual love of Nathan Jones another time then, maybe. But uh, yes, yes, what a player, what a player. Um, but uh, we've, we've obviously brought you on, not, not to talk about Brighton Hove Albion, I'm afraid, but to try and make sense of the accounts of Yeovil Football and Athletic Club, the holding company of Yeovil Town, which were published for the year up to and including June the 30th of 2021 uh, this week. They published the accounts. You've had a look at them. Can you shed any light on what they actually say for all of us people who are just baffled by looking at lots of numbers? Uh, Right. Well, I mean, the the first couple of things to say is that the accounts are unaudited, which is perfectly legal. You know, most most companies, don't they? but uh, you know, it, it does mean that there's uh, sort of a, a a degree of authenticity that perhaps is lost. Not, not making any accusations, um, but given the choice between audited and, audited and unaudited accounts, it's you know, you, you like to have that kind of mark. Um, secondly, uh, the club hasn't published any details of how much money it generated, uh, how that money was spent. Um, all that we can do is is to do a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of triangulation of numbers, and, and Yeovil lost just under four hundred thousand pounds in uh, in the year to the thirtieth of June, twenty one. So that effectively means the money the club will have generated from next to nothing from ticket sales. Yeah, we're we're working in lockdown. There's there's not a lot of money uh, as far as the TV deals are concerned, and and then you've got. 
uh, then you've got sort of you know any commercial arrangements that the club has. Um, I'm, I'm presuming here that the club will have claimed furlough, and and, and rightly so, because the purpose of furlough, if if people remember, it, it is called job retention. Um, the aim the aim is to preserve the existence of the club. Um, but even so, taking all that into account, uh, the, the club lost around about four hundred thousand pounds for the year. Um, and that takes the total losses sort of over it over a period of years to around about two point two million pounds. Now, that money has to be funded from somewhere. Um, some of that has come historically from the investors, from the shareholders who who have put money into the club uh, historically, you know, as and when the club required it. And um, also the club has has borrowed money. So I think that was the the main issue. Um, is 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 the club in trouble? Um, it, it's 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 not in a great position. It's not in a terrible position either necessarily. And remember, these figures these are based at the thirtieth of June, twenty twenty one. Things have happened since then. Um, so if if you take a look at the accounts. Um, it owes a lot of money to the parent company. If the parent company asks for that money back, we've got a problem because Yeovil Town simply doesn't have the money to, to pay to pay back the, the, the money which has been advanced, the money which has been lent. However, the good thing is, reading the small print of the account, the directors have said um, there's no reason to believe uh, the company will have to cease trading because um, they're not going to ask for it back as far as the holding company is concerned until as and when the, the, the football club itself is, is in a strong enough financial position to, to be able to do so. So that's, that's sort of the, uh, the core issues. Um, th there really wasn't a lot to, to get your teeth into. Um, the number of employees halved in the year. Um, and again, I, th I think that would seem logical given that the club was operating behind closed doors. So, you know, lots of people that have worked on match days, their services wouldn't have been required. As far as players are concerned, um, there was no, no signings during the year for any fees. I, I don't know whether there were any sales for fees. It, again, there's, there's a lack of detail to, to be able to identify that. Um, not a lot of spending in terms of infrastructure, but then that's a sensible thing to do. You know, if, 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 if money's tight, the last thing you do is go and stick a, stick a new conservatory on the back of your house. So, um, you know, I, that, that doesn't seem to me to be any issue. Um, one thing that was curious uh, is, is that the, the debtors of uh, Yeovil Football and Athletic Club, um, they increased from £100,000 to three hundred and eighty. So it looks like the club sold something to someone and they haven't been paid. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be paid. It means that they haven't been paid yet. Um, so not enough, not enough information really to, to go on with regards to that. Um, and then moving on, I think sort of the big issue is um, significant borrowing in the year. Uh, the club... Owes, uh, owes money uh, in, in respect of, of loans, uh, mainly from the, the English Sports Council. Yeah. Um, and those have 
those were £729,000 by the end of the year. So six, sorry, £690,000 at the end of the year. And then I found some other documents uh, stuck, it, stuck, stuck in places on the internet, which you really don't want to be looking at if you've got any personality or friends. Now, I'm, I'm a 60-year-old teetotal chartered accountant, so I've got neither of those. So therefore, I look at these places on the internet, and, and it does appear that, uh, that Yeovil have continued to borrow from the English Sports Council. Presumably, the English Sports Council has, has done its due diligence and is happy to lend. Um, but I, if, if I remember correctly, I think those loans or those, those loan facilities were, were close to a million pounds uh, by around about the 20th of March. So, so you know, until about... You know, uh, one, one or two weeks ago. So, so that's that's what we can pick up from looking at the numbers. And I, and I, and I appreciate I've just been throwing loads of nerdy stuff at you. So, so feel free to sort of unpack that or pick at it uh, as 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 and when you see fit. Um, we have to make a confession here because we are the kind of people that do go to those terrible places. We're equally nerdy as uh, as you, and people get very <laughs> excited about these. Com- the amount of times we've looked on Companies House and tried to figure out what the hell we're looking at here is unbelievable. So you're, you're amongst friends here, I promise you. Yeah, I was I was very frustrated on Thursday when I went into a two-hour meeting at work and just as I walked in, I had a Companies House email <laughs> notification appear. And I was like, ah, oh, of all the times. <laughs> yeah, 20 or 30 years ago, it used to be a... It used to be a text from a girl asking you out on a date you get excited about. And now we've reached that stage in our lives where it's companies, house reports that are giving. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> but yeah. what does it mean? Um, yeah. in, in one of the posts uh, today, you wrote that the about the club being as technically insolvent. What, what does that mean? Yeah, um, technically insolvent means that your liabilities and your liabilities are the met are the amounts that you owe to other people so that's going to be loans that's going to be tax that's going to be money owed to uh yeovil town holdings and so on um they exceed the assets of the business so you know it, it's a bit like uh, you know let, let's say that you or i let's say that we've got a house a house which is worth two hundred thousand pounds, and you've taken out a mortgage for two hundred and fifty. It's it's a bit like having a, a mortgage which exceeds the value of the house. It, so it's the equivalent. It, it is negative equity uh, to sort of put it into sort of uh, sort of you know in individual personal circumstances. Um, is is that a problem? As I say, and this is why it's we say it's technically insolvent. When you take a look um, at the details. A lot of that money is owed to Yeovil Town Holdings. Yeovil Town Holdings says, we ain't in a hurry for that money. English Sports Council says, we ain't in a hurry for that money. So worst case scenario, if Yeovil Town was to stop business today, then there could be an issue. But let's face it, it, that's not going to be the case. So so I I always try to sort of caveat, because I don't don't want people to, to become overly concerned uh because we, we did an analysis fairly recently i, th- I think 52 clubs in the uh in, in the premier league and, and the efl are technically insolvent and you know no, nobody's nobody's saying that they're half the premier league is going to go out of business tomorrow no. and um there's obviously a lot of uh, fans who, who look at the situations, clubs like Berry, clubs like macclesfield i know they're the sort of nuclear um examples aren't they but 
you've touched on it there, but from your knowledge of clubs at our level and in the maybe the lower reaches of the EFL, how different is this situation? Again, we're asking you to draw a lot from a very little amount of information, I know, but how different is the situation at Yeovil from, from other clubs? Should should we be mentioned in the same breath as Berry or Macclesfield and those? Um, on, on the basis of the information that I see, mm. no. Uh, I mean, and, and the reason why, why I say that, I don't know how how much you've read the uh, the fan-led review, the, the Tracy Crouch report, um, into football governance. But one, one of the things that, that Tracy has said, and um, I'm, I'm quite friendly with Tracy, for, and that does not mean I necessarily um, follow her politically, or I don't follow her. I, I, I'm, I'm a political author. I'm not involved in party politics. Um, I, I, think that, I think actually there's a, there is an MP from Somerset called Justin Tomlinson, who uh, he's, he seems quite keen to fo- sort of follow this stuff as well. Um, and and he, he's mentioned me in Parliament, which got me worried. I thought, you know, it doesn't what, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, am I, 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 am I going to be sort of marched up to the Tower of London? But fortunately, he didn't see. Um, but one of the things from Tracy Crouch's report, which I think was quite intriguing, which sort of sums up the position uh, quite succinctly, is that if clubs don't have enough money if clubs are reliant on loans or owner put uh, owners putting money in uh, and, th- and that can be you know uh, we've got one one end of the scale we've got the likes of Roman Abramovich who's put in 1.5 billion pounds into into Chelsea um and what the report says if clubs are reliant upon one individual then there are too many football clubs in this country who are one owner or one ownership decision away from financial challenges. I don't want to use the word catastrophe or Armageddon because that's a little bit emotive, but we've seen what's happened at at Derby County. They had an owner who came in, promised promotion, uh, spent an absolute fortune, trebled the wage bill, spent loads of money on players, um, and then got bored and then put the club into administration. And... If, if you talk to Derby County fans, yeah, the, the, the trauma that they've now been through for six months, um, the the forensic over analysis of tweets, or uh, you know, Mike Mike Ashley's been seen wearing black and white socks. Does this mean he's going to put in a bid for Derby County? Yeah, everything becomes amplified, um, and and, it, and it's very very traumatic uh, for the people involved because. It, it is that unique love that we all have. And it, it's not a case of, you know, if, if my local butcher goes out of business, am I sad for my local butcher? Yes. What do I do? I go to the butcher in the next village where I live. And 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 that's about it. And, and, I, and I forget about it within a couple of weeks. If you're Derby County, if Derby County goes bust, you're not going to go and say, oh, well, yeah, what do I do? You know, Chesterfield, Burton Albion, Forest. I'll go and support one of those instead. It's simply not going to happen. So... Um, I, I think that there is uh, there, there is a concern um, in terms of what happened with Berry. Uh, Berry had an owner called Stuart Day, whose business went wrong. It 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 it, it was a fairly uh, it was a fairly fragile looking business uh, as somebody that, that likes to analyze these things. Um, and it, it went, it, it went into a deterioration. He sold Berry football club effectively for a pound to a guy called Steve Dale. 
Um, and under the old EFL rules, um, once you bought a football club, you then had 10 days to prove to the EFL that you had the money to run the club. And that's a problem because you buy the club first and then you prove you've got the money. Well, Steve Dale said, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I'm not going to prove it to you. And you know, we, we've seen what's happened at, at, at Berry Football Club. It was expelled from the EFL. It, it then wasn't effectively accepted by the National League. It's, uh, it's gone out of business. Uh, and, and the worst thing that's happened uh, at Berry, and I, I used to live uh, sort of South Manchester way, um, and I used to go to some of the meetings at Berry Town Hall and so on, is the one thing I love about football more than anything else is that if you're from Yeovil, it doesn't matter whether you're Labour or Tory or pro-Brexit or anti-Brexit or pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, you all support, you've got that one common goal of Yeovil Town Football Club. And it was the same for Berry. And what Steve Dale has done, which I've never seen before, is that he's actually managed to split the Berry fan base into two. And now you've got two factions who, who are fighting each other on social media and elsewhere. And, and that's that's the real, you know, that, that one piece of identity that we all have. In respect of Macclesfield Town, again, it's, it comes down to owners. Um, Macclesfield Town was absolutely appallingly run, regularly paying wages late. Um, it, it managed to survive just over 18 months ago in the, uh, in the EFL, uh, but it did have problems. So what the EFL did was it just kept making more and more points deductions until eventually, uh, instead of Stevenage being relegated, Macclesfield Town was relegated. And then the club just was put into liquidation because, again, the National League said we're, we're a bit unhappy about what we're inheriting. So um, I think you've, you've got to have specific circumstances with regards to owners. Um, you know the you know the day to day issues that exist as far as the ownership of Yeovil Town are concerned. And there's problems at Oldham and there's problems at uh, there's problems at Rochdale and, and, you know, there have been problems at Newcastle and there's problems at Derby. Lots and lots of clubs of issues with regard to the governance of the clubs, the way that they're being run as personal fiefdoms, as, as vanity projects at times or uh, as, as sort, of, uh, sort of trophy assets, which, which are there to be thrown away when somebody gets bored. I can't comment on the position at Yeovil because I simply don't, I don't know enough. Absolutely. But I think one thing that I've gathered from what you said there is it's uh, the situations with Barry and Macclesfield were around perhaps the people that they owed money to. The tax man, I think, was uh, was a case with at least one of them. Yeah. Um, whereas you look at Yeovil's get it, the people they owe money to, Sport England, as you say, unlikely to start calling in their debts. And so we, we can take some comfort from that. Yes, yes. I mean, Sport England would not have advanced. All of those advances have been over the course of the last 18 months or so. Um, Sport England does its homework. Again, the, the parent company, it's not going to call in the loans. Um, one would it? One, yeah, what, because it knows that Yeovil can't pay them. So what's, what's the point of calling them in? So I, I think that's where we, we can draw some positives. Um, can the club continue to lose £400,000 a year? Um, I, I don't know the wealth of the owners. I'm not really in a position to comment. Do I think that Sport England are going to put in similar sums every year for the next five to ten years? No, they ain't. You know, so it's it's the the loan is is broadly linked to sort of the you know security in terms of property. 
um, and, and Sports England will have a rough idea of how much the, the property assets are worth. You've, you've mentioned a couple of times about um, having not quite the full set of information. These are unaudited accounts and all the rest of it. Is there any legal requirement or what is the likelihood of seeing more detailed information appear over the next few days, weeks, months to okay. be able to figure out what actually is being spent and where money is coming and going? Okay. Under, um, uh, uh, under company law, if you have, uh, I think, revenue of less than £6 million and the value of your assets is worth less than 11 then you, you are what's called a, a small company and you don't have to show your profit and loss account. You know, your profit and loss account shows how have we made money in the year and how's it been spent. So, so uh, Yeovil Town, along with practically every club in, in, in non-league, along with plenty of clubs in League One and League Two as well, they fall with it, but under that limit, and then it's it's a choice. It's a voluntary issue. Now um, you can show more information. Chesterfield um, they've they've published their results um, in the last forty eight hours or so. They show everything. They they even show how much money they spend on stamps and uh, yeah, washing socks and stuff like this. Yeah, they they go way above what you have to do. But it appears that that their owners take the view that. We've got nothing to hide. Let's be transparent. So um, the argument which is put forward by clubs, and I, and I do speak to club owners on quite regular basis from, from various levels um, in English football, is it's commercially sensitive information. We don't have to show it. Uh, they then say to me, you run a company, Kieran, you don't show that information. I go, yeah, but if my company goes out of business, who gives a damn? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the identity I'm not, I'm not sort of, the. well, I hope I'm not. I'm not the first thing that people think of when they get up in the morning and the last thing they think of when they go to bed, unlike, unlike your football club. So, um, so you know, there, there is a case for saying, and again, this might form part of the legislation going forwards, that if, if football clubs are community assets, then perhaps they should be showing the same degree of information that we'd expect to see from a charity, which would which would be more detailed, but that's that's a separate issue. So they've done nothing wrong. There's certainly nothing illegal. Are they going to show that information in the future? Not unless they're forced to do so. In, in I suspect. Hopefully, Mrs. Maguire thinks of you when she goes to bed, or even if it is just, I wonder if you shut that living room window or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's normally watching Married at First Sight Australia rather than me, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I'm and I'm I, I I just don't quite understand it. I'm 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 just I'm baffled. I'm baffled. <laughs> We're with you there. We're with you there. Yeah, there is a a, a group or at least one group uh, which is is looking to buy the club at the moment. Kieran, again, not expecting you to be familiar with these details. I mean, in 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 terms of debts and uh, money's owed anybody who was considering buying Yeovil Town Football Club would it be <laughs> an attractive proposition uh, from a purely uh, numbers point of view uh, as far you know within the context of football clubs at this level that is it, it comes down to price mm. you know you know everything is value at the right price I mean one thing that I would say is that uh what accountants are very good at doing is telling you how much things cost, what something's what's what something costs and what something is worth are completely different 
um, especially in the world of football. This is known as the rule of Andy Carroll. Um, <laughs> so, so cost and value are independent of one another. Um, and um, I, I don't know how much the property assets of Yeovil Town are worth. Now, if, if somebody is looking to come in and, and buy the club, what, what they would be able to do is um, they would probably buy the shares of Yeovil Football Athletic from the existing shareholders or from or from Yeovil Town Holdings. Um, and then they, they effectively gain control of all the individual assets. Um, and what they would be able to do as, as part of their due diligence, it's, it's the same as getting a surveyor when you're buying a house, um, is that they, they would have access to the detailed numbers. So they'd know, you know how, much, how, how long are the outstanding contracts on players? How much are they being paid? What's the rent costs? What's the electricity cost? So they would, they would be able to work out what they consider to be um, the value of the club. Or it simply could be, um, I, don't, I don't know whether it's somebody local who's been successful, who wants to sort of reinvest um, in, in, in the local area. Um, I, I, one of my favourite people in, in football is Accrington Stanley's owner, yeah. um, Andy Holt. And, and Andy, you know, for anybody that uh, follows him on Twitter, he, uh, he doesn't hold back, which is always great. You know, he's always good for copy. Um, and he's just spent two and a half million pounds on a, on a new development at, at his, his stadium. And absolutely, you know, we, I'm looking forward to we're actually doing a live show of my podcast there in, in about five or six weeks. And we're really excited um, at that. But um, what Andy said is that he, he ran a business in Accrington and he noticed as a business owner how productivity was impacted in his factory, depending on whether Accrington Town won or lost matches on a Saturday. So he started to sponsor the club and then he was asked to invest a bit and then he ended up buying the whole thing. Um, so, um, yeah, if it is somebody local, and, and what Andy says is that I, I, I aim to break even, but I know realistically it, it's going to cost me X and I'm willing to lose X. And X is a Relatively, you know, Andy is a fantastic businessman, and he and he doesn't take any nonsense from anybody, including Gary Neville, which is one of the reasons to love him even more. <laughs> fantastic, yeah, Andy Holt, as you say, is uh, a model of a football owner, which uh, I think we can we can all relate to. There, he's, uh, yeah, he's fantastic. But so, what then could say three concerned Yeovil Town podcasters or a? trust board um that yeovil town fans through and through or supporters groups or whatever what can practically people do if there are concerns and, and there are real concerns what what can we do because it feels like we're kind of abe simpson screaming at cloud through a window stage here where we're not really getting an awful lot back and we're a bit stuck as to where to go next okay um ben yeah i'm, I'm a great believer in relationships and having a good relationship between club and fan base benefits both parties because it means that in times of need, the fan base rallies around that much more. Um, and certainly I've seen clubs such as Accrington and Tranmere and Lincoln clubs who have got fantastic relationships with their fans. It's noticeable which, which clubs manage to get season ticket holders to waive refunds and to reinvest in the club and it was those clubs that had those relationships so if, if the club's not doing that and again I'm not in a position to comment I think the club's actually being short-sighted um if if fans have got concerns well you know one of the things that you do is that you renew your season ticket 
Now, if if the trust genuinely had concerns, it might say to trust members, we don't think we should renew the season tickets until we've got reassurances uh, with regards to the governance and the finances and the running of the club. You know, so, so leverage any power that you've got um, through nonviolent direct action. Yeah, that's always been my, my mantra. It worked for Gandhi. It worked for Brighton Hove Albion, of whom I'm a supporter, when, when we had ownership issues back in the mid-90s. And, and we tried every trick in the book, um, encouraging people to use peaceful means and to use means which um, w- would impact upon the club. All we're asking for is, is openness and transparency. Now, if the club then says, well, we don't believe in openness and transparency, then then that means that they're not the good guys, you know, because you know, what, why, why should they be hiding things? So so that's what I, I would, would ask. Um, you know, is there an opportunity to have a shadow board where you you can have a, you know, direct communication without giving away, you know, all the state secrets of the way that the club uh, is, is run. Uh, I think that will be, that's a sign of, you know, excellent governance within an organisation and encouraging the club and also explaining to the club that the club itself, the owners will benefit because if you feel a little bit closer to the club, then you're going to stay for three pints instead of two after the match or two pints instead of none. Because if you're hacked off with the owners, you leave that ground and you say, well, not only did we lose today, but we've got no idea what this lot are up to. If you think I'm going to give them a penny more, um, and, and then then that's um, yeah, that could be a reaction. And if we take a look at what happened at Blackpool Football Club when they had owners in the form of the Oyston family who were pretty much reviled by the fans, um, the the the, the uh, Blackpool fan base had this um, not a penny more campaign. Um, and, and it even meant that some fans refused to watch the team play at home because they didn't want the Oysters to get a penny to put financial pressure on them. And eventually the Oysters have left the club. Now, that was that to do with the campaign? I'm, I'm not overly convinced, but it, it certainly didn't help the Oysters position. So um, start off by saying, we want dialogue, we want communication, we want openness and transparency. If the club says, no, 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 we don't believe in those, uh, th- then, then, I, then I think you're, you're, you're perfectly at liberty to say, well, if you're not going to be open and transparent, then we're not going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, we're not going to buy next season's kit. We're not going to buy programmes. And again, sort of, you can choose you know, 48 hours before a match today everybody's going to refuse to buy anything from catering and and and, and they just get left with a mess or nobody's going to buy a program this match uh, so so you, you can make things really awkward for the club if it does not want to be um open eyes now i'm hoping that that's not the case you know I'm, I'm hoping perhaps there's just been a bit of a misunderstanding between parties and and sometimes people sort of get backed into a corner and and you know it's sort of fight or flight uh response but what well, actually, they, they do want to have that relationship because successful businesses have successful relationships with their customers. And I know, you, I know you're not customers. I know you're football fans. But from a financial point of view, you're customers. 
Well, fascinating. I have to say that was um, that, that that was really useful. You've you've made us understand a lot of the things that we didn't understand uh, around um, companies, house listings, and all the rest of it. Um, and it's good to know there's a fellow uh, person who does look into those things. So yeah, Kieran, really appreciate you giving us your time tonight to um, to do that. And uh, yeah, hopefully there will be some positive news for us all to be able to cling on to and we'll uh, we'll come back to you when there's something <laughs> something good to talk about we hope yeah i hope so because you know as an away fan it's a great trip apart from the car park <laughs> yeah <laughs> even as a home fan it's not great <laughs> oh really right <laughs> brilliant thank you very much for your time thank you and with a quick turn skipper alex dock slams it in Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.